Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, and joining me from the very beautiful Santa Catarina, Brazil, is undefeated UFC welterweight Darren Till. Darren, welcome to Half the Battle, man. What's happening? You okay? Yeah, I'm glad to have, I'm glad to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, man, it's good to have you on the show. And you know, word on the street is that you were knocking out grown men when you were 16 years old. So I gotta know, man, can you give us an exclusive Darren Till fight story from when you were 16 years old right here, right now on Half the Battle? Uh, yeah, when I was about 13 or 12, when I started in my time, there was a lot of grown men in the gym and uh, they used to give me a hard time. So I remember I used to always think back when I used to go back home at night, I used to think one day I'm going to beat these guys up, I'm going to be strong enough to do it. So I remember when I was 15, I had my first professional Muay Thai fight and I just kept training and getting bigger and stronger. For my, I was always big for my age. And then when I was 16, they was just offering me fights all over the country. And one time I went to fight in uh, Scotland, in Greenwich, and the guy I fought was 26. And uh, I ended up just knocking him out completely, just destroying him. <laughs> That's a little story. But there was loads of stories of knocking them all out. <laughs> yeah. So is that fight you're talking about? Was that MMA? Was it kickboxing? What Muay kind of fight was it? No, that was Muay Thai. Like, before MMA, I was just a pure Muay Thai fight. I had a few boxing fights uh, unlicensed and I, I had K1 fights or in Europe. But it was mainly Muay Thai. That was what, what I was specialized in. Yes. That's what I am specialized in. Yeah, and speaking of your Muay Thai, obviously everyone knows your left kick is very devastating, but something that a lot of people don't know is that you've won fights via inverted triangle, you've won fights via toehold. So, I mean, do you feel like we haven't seen everything Darren Till is capable of inside the UFC? No, yeah, that's like, because at the moment I've only showed a small part of my game, which is my strongest part, I believe. I believe I, believe I have one of the strongest stand-up games in UFC MMA today, but... I also do have a very little sneaky ground game. You know, in the gym, I'm always pulling off nice leg locks. Obviously, being in Brazil, we, we train a lot of it. And nice, I have a nice guillotine and, and stuff like that. So I hope progressing more to the fights that are getting high-level fights. People are going to be taking me down, looking to, you know, ground the part of the fight out because they don't want to stand with me. And I'm going to be getting submissions. I'm very confident in my submission game. So it's, it's going to be good in the future to show what submissions I do have and what ground game, what my ground game is like. Yeah, do you feel like you can strike freely because you're so confident in your ground game that it allows you to let go on the feet and throw those kicks at will? Yeah, uh, starting off in, in professional MMA, I was a bit wary to throw my strikes properly. I had a fight with a Cuban in Argentina. This was a Cuban. Uh, his name was Guillermo. He previously fought in Bellator. And I knew he had a nasty wrestling game. And I was sort of wary at this point still to throw my strikes properly to be not taken down. So I didn't really show it. I just played an intelligent fight and beat him on points. But now going into the fights, you know, I'm in the UFC now, obviously. I'm, I'm not, I don't really, I don't really, uh, like, I'm not really bothered. I'm going to strike. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go looking for knockouts. And if people are lucky enough to take me down... They're going to see the submission game, what I have. 
Yeah, man, we cannot wait to see it. And speaking of your style, you know, it's kind of that next generation. In my opinion, it's what the sport is evolving to because back in the day, you know, the wrestler boxer used to be the very popular style. But now we see guys like you who are long and rangy, who are very tough to take down. And you're not scared to throw kicks against wrestlers because you know that if they take you down, your submission game is very... Very dangerous, but also on the feet, you know, you're throwing everything in the book. You're not holding back because of a fear of a takedown. Yeah, I, be, I believe to be a successful champion, to be a successful MMA fighter in the UFC, the first thing you have to change wrestling. I believe it's the, 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 the be-all and do-all of, of the MMA. Obviously, you have to have a great base in wrestling. So with that, I feel if I have a confident defense, defensive wrestling game, you know, it's not even that. If, I, if anyone takes me down as well, I'm very confident that I can stand back up. In Brazil here, we train a lot of, like, uh, being in the guard, being in half guard to get back to your feet, sweeps. So I'm very confident when I, I can use the cage to get my back to my feet always. So if anyone is taking me down, I'm going to get back to my feet. I'm going to punish them again, and they're going to take me down again, and I'm going to get back to my feet and punish them again. It'll be, they'll become, in the second round, this guy's probably all going to be think, already thinking about quitting, and I'll knock him out from there. That's how it's going to be. Absolutely, man. And, you know, obviously you went undefeated in your amateur career, and all those fights, as far as I know, were in the UK. And then, apparently your coach told you, hey, if you want to pursue this seriously, Darren, you got to move to Brazil. Can you just tell us that story real quick on Half the Battle? It's a long story, but I'll tell it real quick. I don't know if everybody knows the more. I, I was in a party. Uh, in 2012, in I think it was August, and I got stabbed in the back twice in the rib cage, and uh, I was in hospital. I nearly died. It was like close to death finger. It was, it was like one inch away from my arteries. And uh, I remember my coach just saying, you know, this place is it's not. There's not a lot of you're not concentrated enough because it's a lot of distraction in Liverpool. And I remember him telling me like, you need to go to Brazil, get your head down, and just train hard. And trust me, you'll get to the FC. So the week after when he told me, I got my money together, I got my bags packed and I left. And here I am now today, you know, I fulfilled the dream to get to the UFC, what he told me. And now the next step's the belt. Wow. You know? That's incredible, man. And holy shit, I had no idea about yeah. that fight you got into where, you know, the guy stabbed you. That's crazy. And props to you for yeah. overcoming that. And, you know, for a lot of guys, that could have been an instance where they would have been like, hey, you know, I'm going to go down a bad path. But for you, you're like, I got to get my stuff together. I'm going to move to Brazil and I'm going to pursue this seriously. So you did that and you actually made your pro debut in 2013, which is kind of surprising for me because you already have 13 fights and that was only three years ago. So you actually yeah. had eight fights in 2013 and you knocked all your opponents out. You had a one uh, inverted triangle in between there, but you basically you, fin fan, you, you finished every single guy in that span. What was it like taking that many fights in such a short time span? Uh, I, I, just to go back to the inverted triangle, I, I believe, I just want to say this real quick because I really believe in this. If, if, you're, if you are going for submissions from the top, which I believe you... You, it's ground and pounds a very important part of, of, of MMA. I, I believe the submission will come. You know, there's a saying that they say like a black belt. He's, he's a black belt, but he's a white belt when he gets hit. You know what I mean? And yeah. I truly believe that. And, you know, I, if I'm on the top, I'm looking for my submission. But first, I'm going to punish the guy. I'm going to throw elbows. I'm going to throw hard punches to, 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 to put fear into the guy. And that's where the submission comes from. 
But the, the eight fights I had there, one inverted triangle. And that year, 2013, I was just focused on everything. I, I remember my girlfriend getting pregnant and, and that. So I, I remember just, I knew I had to train hard and fight a lot to get a good record and fight good guys and just knocking people out so the UFC would notice me. So every fight I was just going in. And I was just taking taking people's heads home with me. <laughs> yeah. So how does a guy from Liverpool get uh, treated in Brazil? Well, where I, where I went to, because my coach Marcelo Brigadeiro, he coached the Carbon team, Carbon in England for five years. So he's got a he has a great respect for Team Carbon. So when and I know him from England. So when he knew I was coming, he made sure I was very welcome with all the guys and. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I was going there to teach Muay Thai to the guys too. So I got there the first few weeks. Obviously, I couldn't speak the language. And, you know, it's just, it was all a bit of a blur. But then after a few weeks, the guys started to get to know me. They, I was speaking a little bit of Portuguese. And then we just made friends with everyone, having great classes, great training together, great sparring session. And I made lots of friends. The guys here, very, very nice people in where in this part of Brazil where I am. Or in a, in to be totally truthful, Brazilian people are nice people. That's awesome to hear, man. And how long did it take you to learn Portuguese? About, I was speaking conversations in about five months, six months. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible because, you know, after your, your UFC debut, which was in Brazil, you know, when you gave that post-fight interview, a lot of people were very surprised to hear yeah. a British man speaking in Portuguese. So that was awesome, man. Props to you. Oh, I, I, I got here and that was one more other thing that I wanted to learn. I really wanted to learn Portuguese. I wanted to, I saw every night after training, I would get home, I'd be sick, tired, and I would just go and study a little bit of Portuguese. And I, I, didn't ever, I never had any shame to speak it. I was always very confident to speak the language. And, you know, people was always helping me here. And that, so I, I picked it up quick, pretty quick. So that was good. <laughs> yeah, man. So you briefly mentioned that your lady's actually expecting your first child. Is that true? No, she, she, my first child was born in 2014. She got pregnant in 2013. Oh, okay. My little child is like nearly two now. She's nearly grown. <laughs> What's it like being a father, especially at such a young age? You're only 23 years old. It's, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's different perspective for, for some kinds of people. Like, uh, it made me work harder because I was obviously already here chasing something. So when the baby came and I knew I was going to have a baby, it was like sort of another little extra goal to go behind and, you know, make sure that I I, I got money and I got to the UFC and I win fights and get the belt for her. So I always used to do things for me. I was, I was selfish, you know, about me. But now, obviously, I have a daughter. So everything that I do is for me and it's for her, obviously, to have to, for her to have a better future. Wow, that's awesome, man. And your lady is uh, Brazilian, right? Yeah, she's Brazilian. So was there a, a language barrier at first? Like, how did you guys communicate? There was a... We didn't speak. We used to just go out to, to the pub and just get drunk. And then just... That's all we used to do. We didn't used to speak to each other. It was just better just getting drunk and, you know, going back home and having sex. <laughs> that's, that's, that was the best thing we could do. And then... You know, she started helping me with Google Translator, and we, you know, we 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 got by. <laughs> That's awesome, man! And it was probably kind of a really awesome experience with the language barrier. Just you know, the fact that you guys would laugh together, but you weren't even speaking in this in the same language. So it must have been kind of a unique experience. 
Yeah, it was one of the craziest things that in my life because, you know, I had to be a, I had to make her laugh. I had to strife sort of a conversation. So it was very hard. I had to use my brain a lot with her. But uh, we got by and she, she spoke a little bit of English. So it was okay. But, you know, I, I, just going on, it, it was a good experience. It's good to tell everyone, like, me and my girl, we didn't know how to speak to each other at the start of our relationship. So that's yeah. funny. <laughs> So you actually make your UFC debut in 2015, but prior to that, in your fight before, you went to the fourth round. What was it like going that far in a fight? Because for a guy like you, you tend to finish fights rather early. Yeah, uh, that was a fight I was prepared for, five-round fight, uh, the belt in Brazil. Uh, the plan was to be very careful because the guy had a very good ground uh, leg lock game. So, you know, every time he wanted to try and push me into half guard, it was... Just keep the fight neutral and get it stood back up. But we we didn't expect the guy to be as tough as he was. He's he's a very tough guy. He's fought in Shuto in Brazil and that. So he had, the guy was very tough. So it took a little bit longer. But then I sort of found my range in the third. And then in the fourth, I remember saying to my coach, I will knock him out this round. And, you know, I did. So it was good. But it was good to get that four-round experience. And I, I would have liked the five-round experience, if I'm being honest. Absolutely. And what's it like when, you know, you kick someone as hard as you can in the first couple rounds and they keep coming at you? What, what's that like? Is it discouraging or is it like, I'm going to keep kicking your ass? You just got to keep kicking. You just can't stop. You got to keep kicking. You got If the guy can take the, the kicks all the fight, then you got to win on points, but you just got to keep kicking. You can't stop. It's probably a mentality like a wrestler. He's got to keep taking you down. He's got to keep taking you down. He's got to keep taking you down. So I fought a Russian in a Muay Thai fight once and we had a five round war and I kicked this guy so hard in the head and the body and he just wouldn't stop coming and you know I won the fight on points but that was a tough fight so you just gotta keep going keep going for the kill yeah Russians are extraordinarily tough was that the toughest fight of your career with MMA and Muay Thai yeah most probably the Russian guy was the toughest fight I've ever had tough guy very tough and we're going to talk about the Dolby fight in a second, but I just got to know, how did his toughness compare to Dolby's toughness? I think the Russian was tougher. Dolby's tough. But the Russian was... He, he just wouldn't stop coming. With Dolby, I would throw certain shots, obviously, in them two rounds, and he would get a little bit discouraged. But then in the third round, you know, he showed great heart. But the Russian was definitely the toughest fight I've ever had. For sure, and obviously we all know your left body kick, just your left kick in general, and your left hand is a very, very, very dangerous weapon. Uh, when did you first find out you had that kind of knockout power, Darren? Uh, I always developed my Muay Thai game into sort of an intelligent Muay Thai game. Uh, I would I would spar nearly every day in the gym, back in the gym in Muay Thai, and I would just try to figure out my style and how to beat people, just very intelligently, technically, so... I, I, I used to just fake a lot of stuff and just get people flinching. And after every flinch, I would throw a left kick, left body kick. And then I would fake the left body kick. I would throw a left hand. And them two, them two, just, it's simple bread and butter, but it works. And, you know, I, nobody can, you know, not a, not a lot of people can handle it. It's a lot of trickiness. And that's what my game is kind of like, trickiness. I'm, I'm always trying to think three steps ahead all the time. So, yeah. So when you fake people out, you just get them to kind of react, and then when they're not expecting it, that's when you blast that kick? I just want a reaction from them. I just want a little reaction. I, I, you know, I just, I'm throwing certain things, jabs, 
I'll throw a left kick, get them scared of the left kick, and then I'll throw, I'll fake another left, they'll react, I'll throw a left hand, and just like this, I'll just, I'll break the opponent down, that's how I break my opponents down. Now let me ask you this, obviously we know that left hand and that left kick is very dangerous, have you ever knocked anyone out with the right hook, or, or your right uh, leg as no, well? No, never, 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 it, it doesn't interest me, <laughs> I, sh I should start, really, you know, but it's just... My coach back home, Colin, he, he's always developing my... I've re, I do have a really good jab, hook, uppercut, the, the, my front hand, but I just love the left hand. It's just, it's just so so good for a southpaw if, if he can really develop it. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's an unbelievable technique. Yeah, now southpaws are obviously very tough to go against, but we all know that if there's one strike a southpaw is susceptible to, it's the overhand right from an orthodox fighter. Now, who's the hardest person to ever hit you? Hmm. The hardest person to. Uh, I had a Muay Thai fight one time in Thailand, and I fought a Uranian guy, a big guy, 84 kilos. And I think I went to throw a left kick, and he threw an overhand right, and the guy, he knocked me down. Uh, that was the hardest punch I've ever took. That was a hard punch. And that's the first time you've ever been knocked down in your career, or the only time? No, I've never been knocked out. I got knocked down. I won the fight in the fourth round with elbows, but that's the first time I ever got knocked down. And when that happened, what was going through your head? Just, I need to get back up or what? Yeah, just tried to get back up, tried to recover. And just, you know, I, the, I, you know, I took a lot of punishment in the second round. The third round, I was still recovering. And then in the fourth, I recovered and I came back vicious. That's good to hear. Now talk about your heart, because obviously we know you're a very technical striker, but with a lot of guys, if they can't get off on their strikes, they might look for the door. But for you, you fight till the bitter end. So talk about that heart, man. Yeah, I am pretty confident any man I will go up against standing, like, you know, I, I, can, I can beat them. I, I know I'm very confident in this, but also, you know, if I can't and they're coming at me hard and throwing... Dirty hands, strong kicks, hitting me. I'll go on. I'll find a way. I'll go on. I'll take. I'll take punishment. I don't mind being hit. It's something that I, I don't mind. If someone hits me, it gets me. It gets me going. It doesn't get me angry. It just gets me going to like, oh, okay, we're in a fight. So I'll never stop. Never. I. I don't mind being hit. That's not a problem. That's what we like to hear. Now, what do you walk at? And could you ever make 155 pounds? No, no way. I've actually been thinking about going up to middleweight. Really? <laughs> not, not right now, but no way. My last, my last cut for the Derby fight was a hard cut. I, I, I cut a lot of weight for that fight. I walk around maybe 90 kilos, 89 kilos. So it's quite, it's quite a big, big cut. 13 kilos to make 77 kilos. Yeah. Yeah. So, let me ask you this, Darren, because I'm sure you've seen a guy like Robert Whitaker, a guy like Dustin Poirier, where, you know, they were really good at uh, 145 and 170 pounds, but when they went up a weight class, now they're knocking guys out in the very first round, and they're dominating guys in their weight class because, you know, they're fully fed, they're fully hydrated, they don't have to starve themselves, and the training really re uh, revolves around getting better. It doesn't revolve around just, you know, starving yourself. So is that what you're thinking when you say you want to go up to middleweight? Yeah, I just... I've. I'm not really too. If 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 the cook gets too hard to a point where I'm really killing myself to make it, I'll go up to middleweight. I don't have a problem, you know, going going up a weight. There's some guys, they're scared. They, 
oh, they'll never go up a weight. But for me, if, if my next cut's hard and I know that I'm suffering to make 170, I'll go up to 185, no problem. It's not a problem for me. And I probably will later on my career fight at 185 because I'm 23. I'm always growing. You know, I'm walking around at a bigger weight now. So, you know, who knows? In the future, I might be a middleweight. Yeah, well, we can't wait to see that. But you still got unfinished business at 170 pounds, my friend. Oh, of course. That, a lot of unfinished business. <laughs> yeah, so let me ask you this. So, obviously, you make your UFC debut against Wendell Oliveira DeMarcus. What was it like getting the call that you're going to be fighting in the UFC? I, I've said to everyone, I can't explain it. It's just... Just happiness, just happiness and a, and a, and a relief of, a, you know, hard work pays off, you know, to get there. Obviously, I still haven't, it's an unfinished book, but just to get to the UFC was a proud moment for me of, of a lot of years of hard work and dedication. Now, let me ask you this, because obviously we know when non-Brazilians fight in Brazil, against a Brazilian especially, you know, the crowd screaming, you're going to die. Now, for you, because you live in Brazil, were they still screaming that or what? Or did they accept at you? First, at first, a few guys who didn't know me were screaming. And then after the fight, when they see me speaking Portuguese and stuff like that, they, they turned into my fans and was cheering for me. So that was a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. And tell me about the feeling of getting that knockout because obviously the first round, you know, you, you were a little bit measured. And then in that second round, you found your range, you took him down, and you elbowed him unconscious. Yeah, just I, I, the first round, we expected we were going to lose. We were just going to, because he's a very strong, powerful fighter in the first round. So we thought, let's just lose the first round, no problem. Second round, he'll be a little bit more tired, not, not so strong. Then we'll go for the finish. So that was always the plan to finish him in the second. We didn't expect it to be by elbows, but I seen the opening and, you know, it was there and it, I did the job. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier on the show how you like to use your ground and pound to set up your submissions. But in that case, yeah. you knocked him out cold. So, I mean, while you were throwing the elbows, were you thinking in your head, hey, once he loosens up a little bit, I'm going to get an arm triangle or something? Or were you just like, I'm going to knock this dude out right here, right now? The first, the first elbow I threw, I, he... He wasn't defending, so I, I know that I have really vicious elbows. So I was just—I knew I was going to get the finish from the first elbow. I, I knew the finish was coming. And what kind of pressure or nerves did you feel in that fight compared to your other fights? Because it was your UFC debut, and they always talk about those infamous jitters. I was—I was nervous. I was scared, obviously, but you know, you just got to go and do what you what you do best, what you know. You, you know, I'm I'm pretty confident that I'm one of the best fighters in the world. So you know. Obviously, I always get nervous and scared before fights. It's normal, but you just gotta go out there and do what you do. You know, that's what this is our job. This is what we do for a living. Yep, and you went out there, and that's exactly what you did. And then your very next fight, you get the call to fight Nicholas Dobby. This is the former Cage Warriors champion. He's a very tough guy. He was also undefeated at the time. He's still undefeated, obviously. And man, that was one hell of a fight. That's the kind of fight where, in my opinion. It would have been fight of the year had it not been for uh, Robbie versus Rory. You know, those guys kind of yeah. stole everyone's spotlight with that incredible war. Felt. But, man, you know, first round you go out there. I scored it a 10-8. I'll tell you why. Because you would have won 10-9 without the knockdown. But the yeah. fact that you got that knockdown, that makes it a 10-8 on my scorecard. Yeah. So let me ask you this. When you knock him down with that uppercut at the end of the first round, and I saw you kind of give a, a look to your coaches like, holy shit, how did he get back up? What was going through your mind? Uh, well, I knocked him down. I was, from there, in my eyes, I was just going to finish him. I, 
I in the I remember just before the bell rang, I was throwing elbows into his ribcage. I was going to really hurt him. And then the bell rang, and I was like, okay, he 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 was able to recover. Let's see how he does the second round, because you know. And then we went out there the second round, and we went at it again. Yeah, and then the second round you did your thing as well. Obviously, it, it, it wasn't as dominant as the first, but I mean it was still a clear 10-9 round for Darren Till. So at the end of the second round, were you really tired? What were you feeling? Because you said your weight cut was really rough. No, second round, same thing. I just wanted to make him look kind of silly because I knew he had a good stand-up, but I wanted to make him. Sh- I wanted to show him how dominant my stand-up game is. So when he was throwing kicks and, you know, these his punches I was blocking... I was moving out the way. I was shaking my head to just to let him know who the dominant guy was standing up. That was basically what I was doing. Yeah, and it was an absolute display for those first two rounds. And then Nicholas, uh, he he told me on half the battle that his coaches were like, you don't want to go out like this, Nicholas. You have to come back. So, I mean, he gave it everything he had in that third round. He's a true warrior. And it looked like you hurt your shoulder. Can you tell us what happened there? Yeah, the third round was a bit of a blare for me. I was... Uh... I went out there, I was fine, I was looking for some nice shots to knock him out, and I think I went for a single leg takedown, and he defended very well, and my shoulder popped out, it's popped out before in training, and I remember just walking back towards the cage, just trying to put it back in without him knowing, and just, you know, being like wary, like thinking, oh, I actually thought about quitting in that moment, and then he threw a kick, he hit me on the chin, and from that moment, I, my shoulder popped back in. I, 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 the first thing in my mind was just, Till, you just have to survive this round just to get the win, to survive it. So I just took everything he had, you know. Yeah, and it was an incredible display of heart from your part in that third round because when he was on top of you, a lot of guys, you know, they would have covered, they would have looked for the ref, they would have looked for that door. But for you, you get back up to your feet, you throw that left hand again. So you, you were never trying to quit, man. You were trying to fight until one of you guys uh, died. You know what I mean? Uh, there was no way I was gonna quit. Not not a chance on this earth. Like, I don't come from like, you know, a bad life or not. And I'm I'm not like one of these guys who comes from the favela or, you know, he's he's had poverty. You know, but I'm not a quitter. There's there's, there's not many people in this world who can break me mentally or physically. Like, so he, unless he knocked me out cold, he was not 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 stopping me. There was no way. Yeah, and, and for me personally, I don't think where you come from, you know, determines your toughness. I I believe that hard work and dedication determines your toughness because if you if you work as hard as you can, that builds up that confidence, and you will not try to quit. But if you outwork the other guy, I don't give a fuck if he comes from the favelas. If if you outwork him, you're gonna make him quit. Of course, it, I just believe some people are just born to fight. I know every fighter will say that they're born to fight, but I don't believe that's true. I believe that some people actually are born to, like, they do have something inside them which they were made to fight. And uh, I, I always say I was born to fight. There was there's no, like, I, there was nothing I was going to be except a fighter. It was always destined. And ever since I can remember, I've always said I will be the best fighter in the world. And, you know, I'm only young, but I will be the best fighter in the world. There's, there's not a doubt in my mind about that. Well, you're certainly on track, and I got to know, after that fight, you know, what was uh, Dana White and Lorenzo saying to you? What, what was everyone saying to you? Because that was an incredible war. They were just happy Dana was congratulating me. He, he sent me a nice email. 
uh, Lorenzo too, and all my family and everyone was just like, whoa, till you fucking beat him up for two rounds and then you took all that punishment the third. That was a great fight, you know, well done. It was just, it was a good feeling and obviously I was a bit upset. Not upset, I was just a bit disappointed. I was thinking, you know, if my shoulder wouldn't have popped out, could I have won? Maybe yes, but things happen for a reason, you know. Dalby, he did a great round. He stayed unbeaten. We we both stayed unbeaten. We're both still prospects in the UFC, you know. Fight of the night bonus, all that stuff that comes with. So it was a good feeling, obviously. I, I was very happy about the fight. Yeah, props to both of you guys. You and Dalby, that was uh, what the UFC is all about. What kind of lessons did you learn from that fight? Uh, I, I always try to take a little bit something from fighting. I would have not played about so much in the first round because I felt like I was just trying to make him look silly with this stand-up. Like, I was trying to show him who's the dominant. I should have just knocked him out when I seen the chance because I seen a lot of openings he would throw shots that I would get out the way of and I seen openings where I could have knocked him out but you know I I feel like I played a little bit in the two rounds to show obviously Dana was there to show how good I am and then may fight on my, my stand-up skills but I always take a little bit from, from fights and next time I would definitely just go looking for the kill and I would get the kill yeah, and we cannot wait to see that. And in the subsequent weeks, you know, you and Dolby, you guys actually hung out at the UFC Fighter Summit. What was that like? He said he had a great time sharing a beer with you after, you know, giving it all inside the octagon. It was great. We we seen each other in Las Vegas. We had dinner together. We went and played some roulette, stuff like that. Every day we were seeing each other in the summit. It was good to be around him, you know. We we will see each other again in the future in the near future. We'll we'll go at it again and you know, at least at least something good came from it. You know, sometimes fighters they have bad blood before the fight, and then after the fight they still have bad blood. I think that is absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's a fighting game. You know, we're, we're not in there to hate each other. We're in there to do our do our job. You know, so yeah, I'm actually I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, Nicholas Dalby he told me that. You know, you guys get along, you guys respect each other a lot, but he wouldn't have a problem doing it again, and it has nothing to do with, you know, hating someone or this or that. It's just, you guys are competitors. Of course, uh, I'm, chasing, I'm chasing a belt. I want to be the best in the world. Like, that's, that's my goal. I want to be the best in the world. I want the belt. So, if that'll be in my way one more time for me to get there, obviously, I'm going to go around. I'm, I'm going to try and knock his head off next time, even worse, and... He'll probably try and do the same to me. So, and then after the fight again, we're gonna have a beer, you know. Yeah. Could be another draw. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, we cannot wait to see what happens next. Now, I got a couple fan questions for you. All right. Now, okay. This one comes to me from at Danny B two seven one. He says Till is a fucking beast. I'm curious of his thoughts on the IV ban and if it had any effect on his last fight. No, I never. I used the IV one time in the Argentina fight with the Cuban. And 30 minutes into it, I told my coach, I said, take this shit out. And he's like, why, why? I said, I, I don't want to. I said, I don't want to do it. I said, I, I don't want to sit here. I don't want to do it. I want to just go and drink my stuff and eat my food and just be happy. Because I never ever, I never was a big cutter. The biggest cut I ever did for a fight was probably the last fight with Dab. But it, it didn't affect me. Maybe... You know, my next few cuts, it might affect me. But 
at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's been put in place, and there's nothing I can do or any fight in the UFC can do about it. So, you know, that's it, basically. Now, this next question comes to us from Brad Tashuk, and this is a really funny one. He said, is Darren Till aware that he's allowed to throw strikes with his right arm and leg? <laughs> that's funny. That's very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am aware. Uh, I need to work on that. I do it. I, no one see my, my right hand or my right leg, but they're very, they're very vicious. I don't know if anyone's seen on the last derby fight, but he changed his stance to southpaw, and I threw a monstrous right body kick, and I know he felt it. And uh, he changed back his, his stance back to orthodox. So, you know, if anyone gives me the chance to use my right hand and right leg, I'll use it. And we'll see in the next few fights. I'll definitely be using them. <laughs> yeah, now, Darren, I got to know, man, you're only 23 years old. You're undefeated. The sky's the limit. What's next for Darren Till? Uh, I had, a, I had a, a, a medical last week on my shoulder, and maybe I might have to sit out for a few months. I have uh, do some surgery on my shoulder. Uh, I don't know. It's not serious, but, you know, just, just to be safe in the future... So maybe I might be out for a few months, but I'm definitely back this year fighting. And the future, you know, I'm, I'm chasing the belt. I want the belt. I want the belt. That's what I'm here for. If I can't have the belt, you know, I don't know what I'm doing in the UFC. You know, that's, that's the goal. That's my mindset. So can we expect you back around May or June or before that, after that, or what? Yeah, at the moment, I'm just waiting to see what the medical will say about, like, if, I, if it's surgery or whatnot. Uh, I'm going to be going traveling to Sao Paulo to do that. So, you know, I, I wanted to be in the, in, the, in the later part of this year, you know, to get back to full health, obviously. I don't want any problems in any fights again because I'm only young. I have a great career ahead of me. So I have to be very intelligent about how I, how I plan things. Yeah, absolutely. We cannot wait to see what happens next. Now, did you get a chance to watch Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler? Because obviously that's the belt you're coming for. Yeah, I got that was a good fight. I watched that at home. It was a good fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was incredible. Now, how did you score it? Now, here's the thing, because a lot of people talk about how they scored that fight, but for me personally, I, I just think the fight was so incredible that the scorecards don't really matter. It, if they would have raised Carlos' hand, I would have been cool with that. Robbie's hand, I'm cool with that. A draw, I'm cool with that too. How did you feel about the score and you know and the uh, fight itself? I think sometimes the judges get dragged into the last round fight. The last round of the fight, I always think they they see the last round the way Robbie came back the way he did, and they you know they gave it to Robbie again because obviously he's the champion. But if I had to say if I scored, I did score. I maybe did score a bit towards Condit because he was he he worked more, but his his shots were not powerful. They every everything he threw at Lawler was sort of flicky. There was no power. Now when Lawler threw threw shots and combinations, he had lots of power behind the shot, and he. He really was hating Condit. So maybe Condit did get the fight, but Lawler's the champion and Lawler did he, he maybe did enough to get it. So for me, even if they would have called it a draw or gave it to Condit, it was just such a good fight that I'm the same as you. You know, it didn't really bother me. Yeah, and they're both such warriors and such classic fighters that I mean of course. It was just such a great fight. Now, one last question before we get out of here. Obviously, last night, Conor McGregor versus Rafael Dos Anjos got officially announced. What do you think about that uh, fight, Darren? That's a good fight. Uh, McGregor's is doing good things, man. Uh, he's, he's moving up to 155. He's going to be stronger. 
I believe he's going to be very stronger. He's going to be more power in that left hand of his. Uh, he's not going to be so much dehydrated from the weight cut because I believe that he kills himself to make 145. So it's going to be interesting. But Dos Anjos, he needs to be clever about this fight. If he goes to exchange with McGregor on the feet, I, I believe that he's going to get knocked out. I believe McGregor will knock him out. But if he's intelligent enough, he'll go in with his guard up. He'll try and take Conor down. And Dos Anjos has got a mean, mean game on the ground. So... We'll see what happens. It's going to be a really good fight, I think. If you had to make a prediction, who would you choose to walk away with the UFC lightweight title that night? I think if Dos Anjos is stupid, he can get finished in the first two rounds. But I think if he's clever, he'll take it on five rounds. He'll just he'll he'll destroy Conor in five rounds. But if he's stupid and goes into exchange, he'll get knocked out in two rounds. Now, Darren, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me right here, right now on Half the Battle, my friend. Just go ahead, plug anything you want to plug, and thank anyone you want to thank. The floor is yours, my friend. I just want to thank the fans, any fan who, who supports me, whether it be a million fans or one fan, because I believe that they're the guys who, who they make it possible for what we do. They're the guys who buy the tickets. They're the guys who send the messages on Twitter, on Instagram. They're the guys, you know, their passion is for us. So we have to really teach them and make them, you know, I, I just believe that the fan. I just, I, I like the fans. They, for me, they're, they're everything in the sport. They, their opinion is the opinion that matters. So I believe when, when a fan makes an opinion about you or a company or the UFC or anyway, they really have to take it on board and, and, and you know, accept the opinion of the fan and, and really look at the opinion because I believe that they're the most important people it is. Absolutely. Well, the fans love you, Darren. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk to you very soon. Maybe after your next fight, maybe before. We cannot wait to have you back on Half the Battle, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. You have a great day. Okay, bud? Okay. See you later. Bye. See you, Darren. Thanks. For all the fans tuning in to Half the Battle for the very first time, you can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. Just search for Half the Battle. Thank you guys very much and enjoy the fights.